We go and grab a quick bite. We watch a movie, then fight. We're the Fast Food Film Friends. You're listening to Fast Food Film Friends, the podcast that is making headlines for the potential to inspire copycats who might go out and gorge themselves on fast food while getting no physical activity and only watching movies, leading to countless wasted lives. It's a tragedy. Mm. This week we'll be talking about the very highly anticipated Joker. While eating Pizza Hut's completely unanticipated stuffed <laughs> cheese at pizza. That is 100% correct. From IMDb, the plot summary of Joker reads as follows. A gritty character study of Arthur Fleck, a man disregarded by society. And if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. Mm-hmm. And from PizzaHut.com, the stuffed cheese at pizza consists of four baked jumbo squares of toasty sharp cheddar cheese at crust stuffed with cheese and served with marinara dipping sauce. So normally this comes with four jumbo Cheez-Its that are stuffed with pizza. It's basically, imagine like a box that you would put like a personal pan pizza in. Okay. They they give you that box and inside it is four squares sitting there. Do you have a measurement of how how big these squares are? We're going to whip out our protractors later Mm -hmm. and figure it out. Mm -hmm. But uh, so full disclosure here, there is a cheese version and a pepperoni version. And I... Let me tell you. Struggle? It took me a long time to decide because I thought I only want to get one of these to split. I don't want to yeah. get both of them and then when, gorge ourselves. When you texted me and said you were only getting one, mm-hmm. it was the biggest relief that I've had in <laughs> weeks. I was like, thank God. I but don't see, have to but I just couldn't think. I'm like, is the cheese the more standard and I want the purer experience? Well, it is or do I get it. pepperoni because that's kind of like pepperoni is the most like, you know, standard kind of pizza topping. So Can is I that guess more what regular? You did. Well, we'll go ahead and guess, yeah. Well, I feel like you're going to throw a curveball in the middle now, and so you got like a half and half somehow or something. No, it's not possible. Okay. I got a cheese. I, I was going to say you got a cheese to honor the, the pureness of the Cheez-It. Well, and I had a very interesting uh, exchange with the with the cashier at Pizza about yeah. this. Mm-hmm. I, so I actually, I wasn't sure if this included the marinara sauce, and if not, I was going to order some when I went to the when I got there to pick this up. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I said, does it include that? He said, yes. And then he said... Completely unprompted. I didn't even ask him about the flavor. He goes, it's a good thing you got the cheese one because the pepperoni one is disgusting. Why would that <laughs> Why would that be the thing that puts it over the edge? Like putting pepperoni in there somehow affects I, I, well, everything I else. said, I was like, why is that? And he goes, I don't know. The pepperoni just dries out or something. Pepperoni's never dried anything out in the history of the world. That's the greasiest part of any pizza. We just had those Subway sliders last week, and we know the pepperoni was the best part about those sliders because it actually added some juice. I'm curious now that, A, I hope to God it's not actual, like, real Cheez-It material (laughs) on the outside of this. I'm assuming it's some type of bread that imitates a Cheez-It, but I guess I could see baking pepperoni... No, that still doesn't make any sense why pepperoni would be worse. We're going to have to get a pepperoni one and try My, I'm just confused as to why he felt the need to share that with me. Like, you know? he's doing the opposite of upselling. I appreciate the honesty. I, I really he was, do. He was rewarding a good choice, and I think that's the world needs more of that. You know, he's after, like, just so you know, don't bother getting the other one ever in the future. If after, you like this one, just leave it at that. After watching The Joker and feeling, you know, a little uh, hopeless, uh, you know. Like Disillusioned. A, just a bleak outlook for everything. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that there's people out there, you know, just rewarding good behavior. Because yeah. I feel like more of that needs to happen. That is my superhero. Is mm-hmm. the guy who <laughs> made Tells sure you how was... nasty the other choice you almost <laughs> made is after you made the choice. What a guy. What a guy. So speaking of heroes that we need but don't really deserve. Kevin, on two recent episodes, you've gone on 
I would I would call them tirades oh, about your terrible theater going experiences. Yeah. And your impassioned stories have actually inspired one of our listeners to chime in on the matter. Great. Uh, we got a letter last week and it reads as follows. I am before we jump into this, I just want to let you know. I had probably the worst experience in this movie. <laughs> I can we cannot keep doing movies that just come out, Nathan. We need to do movies that have been in theaters for like weeks and months so we can go to empty theaters. Because this opening weekend shit, these people are the worst. We had a guy, I don't even want to get into it because I, I feel like, I read a news article today about how some guy in a theater was like cheering on the Joker and murder so loudly and like audaciously that it literally made people leave the theater because he was so pro Joker and killing people. Uh-huh. There was a guy. <sighs> Quit pro Joker. Sitting down in the movie, about three trailers in, these two guys walk in. I'm on the back far left mm-hmm. of the theater, all right? right. Back row. They save your spot every time. Almost. Almost. I did get recognized at the concession stand as the guy who once talked in a movie. So for uh, for us hosting at AMC, that was nice. But uh, these two walk in and loudly the guy goes, I told you it'd still be the goddamn commercials. And I was like, first off, it's trailers. Secondly, if that guy fucking sits next to me, I'm going to lose my mind. Luckily, they go up the right hand side of the stairs. So total opposite side of me. Yep. They get to the top, realize they're on the wrong side. All the way back down, all Wait, the way was across. He, was he like your neighbor, actually? Two seats away from me. <laughs> two seats away from me. Not only is he loud and obnoxious, he has a full plastic Target bag full of snacks and Gatorades. <laughs> they just let him walk in. It, it is crazy what they'll let you take. That Mike, my fiance will bring in whatever food or drink that we I, want, and they don't stop I me. couldn't believe it. Yeah. I was like, what is... So not only is he rustling through a fucking plastic bag and talking at full volume, <laughs> almost the entire movie with his dipshit friend, he is at the end of the movie, when like the lights come up, like... Is he wrong about anything? To his friend, is he wrong about anything? And his friend's like, yeah. And he goes, I don't think so. I'm totally with him. And his friend goes, you're sick. And he goes, yeah, I'm fucking sick. And he thinks it's like sweet to identify like with the sick. Joker. So the person I'm with is like, can we get the fuck away from this dude? Because he's so terrifying. And he's like, yeah, except the difference between me is he takes it out on adults. I take it out on kids. And then he goes, uh, 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 and like fake punches, I guess, a child. Right. And so That's I'm like, sense. what the fuck is wrong with people? Not only that, though. Three people within reaching distance of me pull out their phones during this movie. Mm -hmm. There are some slow parts. I think the youngsters and the teens can't handle slow parts in movies. All pull out their phone, full brightness. I watch them all turn their brightness down to dark, like after they've blinded me with their phones. Yeah. Nathan, I'm just so stressed. So, we have a lot to unpack here. Before we even get into the movie at all, I want to talk about this letter that we got. But I also want to say... so. Just to be clear for people who haven't listened to every episode of our show. Which is uh, very few. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the first time that you complained about your experience. Yep. And then I think, what was was Hustlers? Was that Hustlers also? was bad. And then now with the Joker. I, so I almost always see movies on weekday evenings. Yes. And which, it's almost no one's ever in the theater. I need to and do that. And this for Joker, I went on Friday night. Yep. And I was like, I, I'm... I'm kind of worried this is going to be a bad experience yeah. just because of the nature of this movie mm-hmm. opening night. Mm-hmm. I just, this was a bad idea. Yeah. It was almost a sold out theater. Yeah. And other than like one or two dim phones that came out for like a minute. Yeah. There were no problems at all. Oh God. I went Saturday. I even tried to get like early. I went to like a five o'clock mm-hmm. thinking those twats and drunk idiots or whatever the hell it is. Won't come out until later on in the evening. Right. Boy, they're was still in bed. <laughs> So this letter that we got from listener reads as follows. Hi guys, long time listener, first time email writer. Just wanted to give you a simple suggestion. 
Kevin needs to go to a different theater or take a Xanax. I've never heard or seen anyone with worse movie-going experiences. Maybe it's just Kevin. Oh. Love the podcast. And then they signed it. They must have not been comfortable giving their entire name. They signed it with one letter, which was D. Mm, suspicious. So I don't know suspicious. who that could have been. No, I have no idea who that could be. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, fuck them, A. B, if you think that talking in a theater or taking your phone out during a movie is okay at a loud volume, you are wrong. <laughs> And you deserve to never be allowed in a theater again. I wish there was a button that would pull up a map of the theater seats. And if enough people push on your button as being rude and annoying, your seat just opens up to a pit of alligators and you are disemboweled by 20 gators. That's how much I hate people who do it. And I don't understand. I want to get a shirt or something that says, like, don't talk in theaters. So they look back at you. I I almost like I was walking out of this experience and thinking, like, at the beginning of a movie, should I, like, go in front of a crowd and just say... Can we all not talk? Can we all be quiet for this movie, please? And I probably that would lead to more people talking and popcorn getting thrown at me and so on and so forth. Teenagers usually respect when someone just kindly asks them to not do what they want to do. Yeah, teenagers really love that, especially when it's strangers. Uh, I just can't handle it anymore, and I don't know what I'll do. I gave this guy looks. I even said like under my breath, like, I'm going to fucking lose it. Because I was so annoyed. You were feeling the Joker in that moment. Oh, I really was at that point in time. It was like three businessmen on the subway. You know, it was getting to me. Uh, uh, I have a. I really thought that email was going to be in support of me, and that <laughs> really blindsided me. I have to say. I have a printout at work on my on my cube wall, and it's got one of my favorite quotes. I try to live by. I try to keep in mind every day and every aspect. Carry a big stick. And it is: uh, if it smells like shit everywhere you go, check your shoe. It does not smell like shit everywhere I go, thank you very much. It's three movie showings in a row. We've made what episode are we recording right now? Uh, this is 39. Three out of 39. I mean, that's pretty good odds that there's just somebody taking shits around town. It's not on my shoe. I have plenty of great experiences. When I go to Flicks, actually, because they have a silent, uh, like, no phones, no talking, two mornings, you're out. Yeah, And you can push a button and tattle on people, which is ideal. I wish every theater would institute both <laughs> yeah. the silent policy and tell on other people quietly. Without it's the closest thing to the alligator pit that there is. It is. Uh, I think more. I think that would be better for everyone. Um, but I'd like to tell, was it C? Was it C who wrote in? Uh, it was. Let me check real quick. B? Um, B. Arthur? Uh, D. Oh, D. Well, I'd like uh, to tell D that, you know, she can, or he, whoever it might be, uh, can listen to another fucking podcast if they don't want to hear people tell about their real world issues. You know what? We're not one to sugarcoat the real world here, all right? We tell it like it is. For the sake of our blood pressure, I think we should <sighs> move on to something more lighthearted, like maybe some nimble news. I thought you were going to say, for the sake of our blood pressure, we should eat a cheese it pizza. And I was like, that's, <laughs> oh, that's we're going to be on a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. I can do some nimble news, though. Nimble news. Nimble News is the part of the show where we review all things new as quickly as we can do. New music, shows, purchases, experiences, or even new food or movies we don't have time for in our main discussion. Kevin, why don't you give us a go? I was watching the Emmys, and what I thought was just some generic car commercial turned out to be a trailer for El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie. I got so incredibly excited to see it, even from that short trailer of Aaron Paul just sitting in a car. It looks amazing, and I cannot wait to see it. And Nathan, I miss that post-trailer viewing excitement. I think I might have to go back to watching trailers and stop living like a madman trying to avoid trailers so I don't spoil things. Maybe that's why I'm so fucking tightly wound. 
Yeah, so for the listeners who don't know, I've kind of I've spread this to Kevin, to you, this this lifestyle of trying to avoid trailers because I really enjoy knowing as little as possible about a movie before seeing it. Yep. But uh I'll do this thing in a theater, actually like before the Joker. Before Joker, yeah. there's um a couple trailers. Like there was one in particular nice that out. Well, that is what I'm talking about. Yeah. I know so little about that Same. movie. So here's here's kind of my dilemma, okay? If I see a trailer five, ten seconds in, I realize what the movie is and yeah. I know I want to see it, I then close my eyes and plug yeah. my ears and try yeah. to avoid it. Same. However, sometimes I are I know so little about a movie but know that I want to see it that I don't even recognize what it is. Mm-hmm. So I watch the first minute of the Knives Out trailer oh, wow. thinking, oh, this looks really good. Yeah. And then I realize... Mm-hmm. God damn it, this is the trailer I've been trying to avoid for so long, and now I know so many things about yeah. this. Can I tell you, so Knives Out comes on. I ran to the bathroom during the first trailer, which was not mm, Knives Out. Commercial. I, I come back commercial, yes. Oh, that guy. Come back, and I sit down, and I look up, and Knives Out is just starting the trailer. And so I'm with a person who doesn't know that I don't watch trailers, mm-hmm. and I, I hand her the popcorn, and I say, hold on, and I... Close my eyes. I put my fingers in my ears. And because movie theaters are so loud, you can't just plug your ears. You have to like you make to move, tiny you movements. move your fingers around. So yes. for the rest of this like minute and a half, two minute trailer, I'm sitting there like digging in my ears, <laughs> eyes closed. And I, I hear it. You can kind of hear the trailer end. And yeah. I take it out. And she's like, are you okay? What's happening? <laughs> she was so concerned that I was like having a stroke or something that she was like, so terrified of what she had just witnessed like a grown man seemingly trying to dig out his brain out of his ears she was like what the what was that and i was like oh i just don't watch trailers and she was like so off put she was very off put but it was uh pretty funny i think i may have told this story before but i one time i think i was seeing logan a couple years ago oh and we were seeing it with a couple friends like a a friend and his like newish girlfriend like i, I didn't really been around her much, she knows sure. me very well, mm-hmm. and so she certainly didn't know that about me that mm-hmm. I didn't watch trailers. And uh, they come in, or no, it was like they were already sitting, and we came in like while the trailers were already happening, yeah. our seats were saved, mm-hmm. and like we sit down, and immediately it's and it was like like the Alien Covenant trailer, something that Avatar I like, three. something I didn't really care about that much, but I was like, oh, I'm, I, I might as well try to avoid this, yeah. and so I instantly like run to my seat and put my plug my ears, <laughs> close my eyes, and my our friend later told us how his girlfriend we noticed him and was like. Is he terrified of all movies? <laughs> like, does he realize what we're about to watch? It's going to be like a violent, yeah. gritty movie. It's weird and for people who don't get it, I have to say. <laughs> it's weird. You, They're the weird ones. 99% of people, 99.9% of people don't get it. Uh, but uh, I'm glad we're keeping this nimble, but I think, yeah, I think I might have to give that up, Nathan. I tried Trader Joe's peanut butter filled pretzels which is a treat that sounded right up my alley. But unfortunately, they just have too much pretzel, not enough peanut butter. And I know what we're all thinking here. Why are they not coated in chocolate? Mm, That's a very good idea. I wrote this next one. I just want to give a precursor. I wrote this next one before I started complaining about everything. So before you were born or? Just shut up. I tried formally complaining. (laughs) (laughs) Which I never normally do unless it's in a nimble news segment. I had a somewhat negative restaurant experience at a pretty fancy restaurant and wrote a super friendly, not at all harsh email to the restaurant that outlined A, how much I love the food and the service, and B, how much of an enjoyable experience it was, but that the time it took made us late for a show. It took an an exceedingly long time, which can happen at fancy restaurants, but not the case. I got so much out of this complaint that I 
totally understand why people complain all the time now. They oh, refunded yeah. $140 check and sent me a $100 gift card saying they wanted us to come back on them. I will not be making it a habit, but damn, it was an eye-opener. Yeah, it's a very depressing realization once you understand that the loudest complainers get what they want in it life. blew me away. I was like, I wanted to be like, I don't need the gift card. I definitely took the gift card. It's right behind you. But I wanted to say, like, you don't have to do that. Like, I didn't expect them to refund anything. Right. But, yeah, I guess being shitty pays, which is double shitty. Kevin, it's October, and award season is already in full swing. I don't know if you've realized this. I'm trying my best to keep up with all the movies. I've seen some really good ones here and there. You know, we're preparing for our top 10 of the year episode, which is just in a few months. I feel like I'm already getting lost under all these great movies. I'm way behind. But I have to take a second to tell you right now about one in particular called Ad Astra, mm. which stars Brad Pitt as an astronaut on a mission to uncover the truth about his father. First off, let me just get out of the way. This is an absolutely gorgeous film, both mm-hmm. in terms of visuals and sound. My jaw was on the floor. There's so many cool sci-fi concepts. I think it just demands to be seen in a the theater while you still have the chance which probably won't be for long because it did not do well at the box office. But my love for this movie goes so much deeper than this. It just moved me in such a personal and long-lasting way. I saw it a couple weeks ago, and it still pops in my head every day because like, the way that I see the world will never be the same. And Brad Pitt's performance is very... It's, it's reserved. He narrates more than he actually speaks, but the words are so eloquent that it's like listening to a great audiobook while watching the movie about that book at the same time. And I just could not get enough of it. I think if you're the kind of person who ever questions your own purpose in the world, or if you just appreciate beautiful works of art, then you should check out Ad Astra. Speaking of beautiful movies that tug at heartstrings, I watched the 2005 film Sky High which is about a high school built for superheroes and is now streaming on HBO. The early 2000s fashion alone makes this movie worth a watch. It's like a time machine to terrible fashion choices. The cast, let me tell you. Bruce Campbell, Farva from Super Troopers, Cloris Leachman, Jim Rash from Community, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Dave Foley and Kevin McDonald from Kids in the Hall. Cast is great. Kurt Russell is in there as well. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a great concept that is very poorly executed. The sets, costumes, special effects are all terrible, and the acting of the main characters is rough. But the writing is actually pretty decent. And if you have some downtime and want to see kind of a superhero meets Harry Potter type movie, I say go for it. It's a pretty fun ride. And there's one scene that's just like the sorting hat from Harry Potter where they show their powers and get kind of classified. It's, it's such a good idea, but just kind of poorly done. But it's worth, it's worth the hour. This is a movie that... So this is a Disney film. There's one that like I feel like they should absolutely reboot. Like, if they, they could, did it well, yeah. with good writing and good everything that I said was terrible in this one, it could be really cool. I mean, think about how different like the movie landscape was when that film came out. And yeah. how, think about how superheroes... That's everything. Now. Yeah. They could make a franchise out of they that. They could. Me and you. Let's talk after this. <laughs> let's, let's get those rights. <laughs> let's talk to Bob. I played Hammerschlagen. The game that involves standing in a circle around a tree stump and taking turns flipping a hammer into the air, catching it, and then trying to drive a nail into the wood all in one motion. The lesson I learned is that I am very good at catching and awful at nailing. So I now know that in the future when I inevitably fail as a handyman, I can always fall back on a career in juggling. I tried using Target's same-day delivery that's hosted via Shipt, which is spelled S-H-I-P-T last week. 
I was feeling a bit under the weather, needed some medicine, and thought that, hey, you know, this could save me a trip. I ordered the medicine and then, of course, added more items, candles, deodorant, and a DVD to get to the $35 minimum for free delivery. I ordered at 4.30 p.m. requesting a delivery between 6 and 7 p.m. 7 p.m. rolls around and I have not been notified of anything and there's nobody ringing my doorbell. I go online, quick chat with customer service, and they let me know that nobody's opted to pick up my order yet. They put a bonus on the order so that people will actually want to pick it up and let me know about 10 minutes later that somebody has finally decided to actually pick up and deliver my things. <laughs> then I get a text from them saying they can't find my items and then they find them and in the end I didn't get my items till about close to 10. So that sucked. Uh, but they did give me a $15 credit, and I used that the next time, and it was a pretty seamless experience. Either way, I'm canceling my ship subscription, and it seems like a terrible business model that will not last long if they are having to put bonuses just for people to go pick things up. I got a coupon for a free snack-sized order of wings at Buffalo Wild Wings. So I redeemed it the other night, and the sauce I chose was their new Nashville Hot. I'm usually a fan of their wings. But this sauce was incredibly bland, and judging by the temperature of my order, I'm pretty sure they let the food cool outside for about an hour in that crisp October weather. Mm. Uh, the wings cost nothing, and I still think I overpaid. That's all the time we have for Nimble News, though. Let's get back to uh, the Joker. Ah, just Joker. And the Pizza Hut stuffed crust cheese it pizza. The thes are really hard to keep straight. It is. What? I don't wait, know what I don't know wait, what you expected. Wait, 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 wait. Describe to me what you're looking at. Four barely bigger than normal cheese it pieces of cheese. <laughs> barely pizza. bigger than normal right, cheese it's It's like four the size of four cheese it's placed together, maybe. Maybe slightly larger than that. But I thought this would be one you said you got one. Right. Like this is this it counts as one order. It's these four. They're not together. But I've seen I've seen pictures of like a Maybe just there's nothing for scale in the pictures I've seen. You seen? You thought they were giant. I thought, thought this they was were like, like a ten by ten. I thought they were like a six by six inch giant cheese. It no. So these I've are. I've seen this box and it's got four cheeses in it, but there's no sauce cup. The sauce cup provides all the context. <laughs> I need scale, and my. So oh these my are God. probably about three inches by three. This inches? is a standard restaurant toasted ravioli. Then I mean they're not doing anything innovative. I am. Beyond upset and disappointed. Well, the cheese it factor is different than what anyone else does. You brought this box in. That's I'm gonna. I want to measure this box. Uh, this box. This box is probably ten by ten. I'm gonna say nine by nine. Uh, and I thought there was one giant cheese it pizza type thing. All right, we're past that. You thought wrong. Now, what do you think of what they look like? What they do look like? Nothing like I expected because the size is way off. But. I'd say, you know, it looks like a, a cheddar-coated uh, hot pocket on the exterior almost. They was, don't look bad. I The snack size changes everything. I was so prepared to, like, use a pizza world cutter to changed. cut these open. You so just, just, you know, as, as an idea for scale, imagine you're holding a Pop-Tart. Yes. Imagine the short side of the Pop-Tart. Yes. That's how wide both sides of these square cheese. I think that is the perfect measurement, actually. If you were to maybe cut a pop tart in half, well, they're the I, don't, I don't think they're way? two by. I the think pop tarts are probably like two by three, okay. not one by two. Okay. So okay. we're gonna get into some hairy <laughs> dimensions here, but uh, <laughs> really should have invested in that ruler. That <laughs> Okay, um, yeah, so we got a very, a pretty decent-sized thing of marinara to dip these in. I, I want to I I dig in. I want to get I'm, going. I do, too. I mean, I'm just, again, I, 
God, this really, I've never been caught so off guard in this podcast. <laughs> I, the marketing, everything has nothing for scale. It seems giant. News articles I've read about this seems giant. I'm writing so many letters. Now that I can complain, I'm going to get so much free stuff. Let's uh, take these bites. Well, cheers. So this crush, actually, I think that the Pop-Tart comparison it's very, even applies to the texture of the crust. Very perfect. This yeah. is very similar to like... Not like the, the... Sorry. No, I mean, it's like the bottom of the Pop-Tart. I was going to say, yeah, like the center of the Pop-Tart. Kind of the thin, almost almost moist part. It doesn't taste like Cheez-Its off the bat. It's yeah, the it's, cheese. It's the cheese inside you taste. Considering the fact that this is supposed to be like Cheez-It flavored crust and then just cheese on the inside, it actually doesn't taste that cheesy. Have you tried it without the marinara? No, I'm not. We should probably get a dry bite. I mean, I'm really just tasting that mozzarella. It's very bland. In there. Like, the crust is not adding any particular flavor. That being said, I think that Pizza Hut's mozzarella cheese is delicious. It is tasty. Like, this is is good. It's like a decent mozzarella stick, but thin. It's like a flattened mozzarella stick. Yeah. Um, I think it's actually a better comparison to the Joker... God damn it, to Joker than we thought because it's just bland, bleak outlook, but you dip it in some red sauce and at least it gives it some color. And half the size of what you expected. I like the red sauce. That was good. I will say, based on my scale assumptions, I thought these were going to be terrible. When they were turned into a basically large toasted ravioli, you can't fuck that up if you stuff it with good cheese. Well, I could, I could see how these could have gone more wrong. They're fine. They're fine. They're fine. They're fine. I mean, I think this is, it's been a little while now, but we did like the, the Pizones. Oh, yeah. And like, these are better than those. Uh, yeah, these are, I mean, the marinara is good. It's a good ratio of cheese crust marinara. Yeah. But just order a normal pizza, I would probably say. Plus, how are you supposed to dip the cheese it, <laughs> it doesn't, in the goddamn marinara? It doesn't, it doesn't fit in the marinara. Until you take a dry bite. And who wants that? So there you go. If these were bigger, like you wanted them, it'd be well, impossible. I would expect it to come with a pizza-sized marinara. So I, the mozzarella cheese completely fills it. It's not like... It is like filled. Sometimes you might have something like this, like a hot pocket, where like the cheese fills up like half, and there's yeah. like some empty space. space. There's no air in here. There it's is completely no... Filled. And I will say, we just took a little break to take some pictures of these things. The aftertaste is Cheez-Its to a T. Like, the Cheez-It aftertaste is there, but it's not the same as putting a handful of Cheez-Its in your mouth. It's just that kind of chemical residue that gets coated yeah, in your re- mouth. residue is the right word. That tastes like Cheez-Its. Uh, and that is the only reminiscent bit of this that tastes like Cheez-Its. And it really is like, again, like the Pop-Tarts. You know like when you eat like the corner of a Pop-Tart and it's so it's like hard and like, yeah. like it's brittle dry. and it's yeah, so dry. But that is where the Cheez-It flavor really comes in on yes. the, of the edges. Yeah. Because the rest of it and the cheese is overtaken by the rest of the cheese. I'm so curious about the pepperoni now. I'm so curious about how pepperoni can fuck these things Should up. Should we do that next episode? I feel like we have to. I can't wait to have heartburn and stomach issues later. I would rather have this exact thing, but instead of whatever they're baking into the crust to make it like a Cheez-It. You know, pizza has a bunch of different like crust, like pretzel flavors. Crust? They add, you know, things they rub on or sprinkle on their yeah. crust. Yeah, they do. The garlic, the parmesan, like all sorts of stuff. And like... I want this exact thing, but just with like parmesan, buttery garlic parmesan. Mm. Yeah, that sounds much better. Then again, you're just getting into toasted ravioli territory. Like the cheese, it is such a small part of this. You're right that like in terms of marketability, the cheese it is everything. Absolutely. Yeah. In terms of flavor, it's almost nothing. 
It looks, I mean, they got the color right. It's that toasted orange, mm-hmm. but it's not the same crunch. I, I Like, you want the same kind of, when you put a cheese it in your mouth, you get a good crunch. It's brittle, it breaks apart, and then it kind of melts in your mouth. This is pizza dough they dyed orange. This food's trying to kind of measure up mm-hmm. to what inspired it. And uh, 10 or so years ago, someone else portrayed the Joker in what is now like one of the most iconic performances of our time. Yes. And I'm sure it is a very daunting task for a different actor to now play that same character. I think that's part of what went so wrong with Jared Leto's Joker was that he tried to be something that was as different as possible from Heath Ledger. And he just, it was just bad. What did you think of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker? I still, I saw this movie yesterday. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, somebody asked me today at my son's soccer game, if I, if I liked it and I said, I still don't know. Like, I really need to stew on this. I think Hakeem, Hakeem, Joaquin, Joaquin, Mm -hmm. Uh, Joaquin. (laughs) I've been saying it wrong my entire life and I say it differently every time. Joaquin. Joking. Oh Oh my God. Uh, That's all time we have for this week. Yeah, that's it. Wrap it up. Um, no, I, I think his. His physicality in this movie, his physical acting is mind-blowing. Yeah. And I think his acting alone in this movie, this movie has several other characters in it. It has several other characters, but they do not get a 20th of screen time that he gets. It is about him yeah. and his struggles and, and so much more we're going to dive into in Spoiler Snacks. I think his performance is amazing in itself. I don't think it's true to the joker inherently i think there's some issues there if you're going like by the by the you know by the book of of joker but his performance in this is mind-blowing i think it's really really good yeah i think he will be up for several awards but i I still haven't been able to sit down and think like is that the joker because this is a it's essentially an origin story and before this we've never had a joker really true origin story on film yeah you see the joker he's a crazy guy who just does whatever he wants that's kind of his shtick well part of his shtick is that we don't know really anything exactly even in dark knight he specifically tells multiple backstories because he just wants no one to know exactly the first thing about him and that's why i liked this one so much i mean again i'm still not sure if i like the movie but i liked that it is a true origin story of the Mm -hmm. joker not only of the joker the name the joker too and, and why he chose to go by that and why he chose to be the way he did and why he acts so crazy a lot of the time. Um, and, and it's I, even it's even an origin story of Gotham as we know it. Yeah. Like it Batman. is. It, yeah. It, it, like this is the backdrop for the entire Batman. Universe. It is. And that, I, and I loved that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I really did. And it was those little bits that kind of kept me like on the edge of my seat. Like Thomas Wayne's name gets brought up early and you're like, oh, shit, that's Batman. You're like, I don't think this is going to really have anything to do with Batman. And then later on in the movie, there's several things that that occur. But he is amazing in this movie. He's amazing in this movie. And I, I can't argue that. But I still am not sure. Hey, do you think they'll they'll go forward and, and continue off this Joker? Or do you think this is a one and done? Because I can see it being a one and done. I highly doubt that Joaquin's going to do anything more. I don't think he's the kind of actor who wants to like stick with the franchise and to, to go into this like universe. I agree. And, I, that's- and I, I would bet that, like, that Todd Phillips also doesn't want to do more of this. I, I a, I'm glad you brought up Todd. I, I agree with you. I don't think they will. Mm-hmm. I think they could, and they could make a oh, lot of absolutely. money. And I'm sure that Warner Brothers or whoever yeah. the parent company is like, please do yeah. more because this but, is a cash cow. But that's where I have issues. Like, 
if they were to do that, this is where my brain was going. If they were to continue this on, it's not about like a crazed guy who does it for fun. It's about a guy who is off his meds and having mental issues and unable to get help. Mm -hmm. And he's totally off the rails. And it kind of tainted all the other jokers for me in a way. It it really left a weird taste in my mouth. Mm -hmm. Not unlike these weird cheese at pizzas where I was like, I don't know. Like I loved Heath Ledger as a joker, but you think of it in this frame and it's such an intimate movie into his life. It's so intimate that it is, it's difficult to get away from this guy's mentally ill and needs help. Mm -hmm. And that's really the bottom line. He needs help. He needs to be medicated and he needs help. And it's so hard to watch and then think like, Oh, he goes on to do terrible things that like in other movies, I thought he just loved chaos, but really he doesn't even understand what he's doing. It so yeah, this film grounds it's grounded in reality in a way that no comic book or superhero no. movie has ever been before. It is too real. And I think that that is where that's why they can't make it into a universe is because if you think of comic book villains in terms of an actual like real outlook yeah. and like think about what brought them to that point, they're fucked up people. Yeah. It's like it's just like we we're willing to look past that 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 like really disturbing aspect of their humanity to say oh that I, that villain is cool i like how they yeah. look like how they talk like but when you see how like somebody could actually become that yes you feel gross it's it is you do and, and that's my biggest I, I, i'm right there with you for the most part about this movie i think that you know it's a character study and because of that it's really hard to separate my thoughts on the film versus his performance because yeah. his performance is everything. It is. It is the backbone. It is everything about this movie. It and his performance o- is outstanding. It's the only thing you remember. Everyone else in this movie, if people remind you of them, you will remember them. But you don't walk out of the theater thinking about his mom's performance or Thomas Wayne's performance or any uh, anybody else in this movie. Everyone else is such... Minor Which is saying a lot characters. because there's some great actors. There are. There like are. Zazie Beetz, Brian Tyree Henry. Love those actors. De Niro came out of nowhere. I, right. didn't, I didn't even know De Niro was in this. Um, but I think I think the main difference in this movie is like in in every Joker performance, you see in every Joker movie that's been done to this point, you only see him surrounded by people who are as crazy as him and supporting him in what he does for chaos's sake. Like mm-hmm. all all the people who support him are there for chaos's sake. This is the first movie you see him do things, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say that he kills people. You see him kill Easy. people without supporters. You know, you watch somebody react to him kill somebody as a terrified person mm-hmm. who is going to be traumatized for the rest of their life. Again, something that we never see in you movies. You don't like this. see that. Never. You yeah. don't see those kinds of like, like small repercussions. Yes. Of like that person is yeah forever. Fucked yes. up. Like you, you, you watch that and you think, "Oh my god, Heath Ledger like killing a cop, like nothing, and walking away giggling is like is this, it's such a different thing than seeing this Joker do that, mm-hmm. not even kill a cop, just kill somebody, and then like watch somebody in the same room as them have a basically mental breakdown. It is so off putting, and it this movie was like it was draining in a sense. Like, Absolutely, it was hard. yes. It was hard. To, and even when people asked me today, I was like, I don't know how I feel about it, but like, I have a really bleak outlook right now. Like, <laughs> honestly, I've, it's made me feel just like, just and you're, that. you're getting at kind of my biggest criticism of the movie, which is that for so much of it, it's getting at this level that is so much deeper than any superhero film, any genre film. It's like painting this picture that is, will make me disturbed when I'm watching all future superhero yes. movies because you think about the real life implications. Yes. However, 
by the end, there's like two scenes, two scenes Mm -hmm. where it's like this rock music montage slow-mo where like he's finally Joker as we know him. He's got his outfit on. He's looking so cool. And I'm like, what happened? Because now we're glorifying him visually in the in the same way that all these other superhero movies do to their villains and i thought that this movie was kind of yeah i would have thought that this was kind of taking down this entire genre and saying hey this is fucked up we need to consider this kind of stuff but then by the end i feel like it really doesn't and the last shot in particular is like the aftermath of something very horrifying yeah but like with just the the music and the write out to credits and i know that like Everyone in the theater, not everyone, but many of them are thinking like, hell yeah, that's the Joker I know and love. And I'm like, no, I didn't, it's, I don't feel like that's the note that we should It's exactly on. right. And I, and I think at, at, in some point, Todd Phillips, well, let me make my Todd Phillips point first off. The only so thing, he's the writer director, just so everyone knows. The only thing I remember him as is the guy in old school who rings the doorbell and says, I'm here for the gangbang. And right. that's the only thing I think of when I think of Todd Phillips. I mean, his resume is like. It's old long. school due date the hangover movies yeah like he's the, that's what he's known for those films do you think though because i totally agree with you that at the end you get you know the joker surrounded by his supporters in chaos doing what he we know he will go on to do mm-hmm. do you think that todd phillips just thought we have to get to this somehow like we have to somehow connect it to the universe yeah. because without that scene if he just goes to jail or if he is killed somehow it's not connected. It's not even the same Joker we know. Right. It's a totally different. And, and see, thing. I I think along the way, I didn't think that this was going to end up with him being the Joker we know. I yeah. thought that this was going to be such an isolated story that would tell a new ending. Yeah. That like, but yeah, but you're totally right. By the end, it takes like honestly, by the end, it is so similar to the world of the Dark Knight trilogy that I feel like this yeah. was almost made as like, all right, we start out as this character study. Now we're into like, you can just imagine that this is. A prequel it is. To, to Batman Begins. It is to Heath Ledger bombing a hospital and you know wearing right. a nurse's uniform. Like it could transition so smoothly, into, and that's why it's hard for me to think they won't do another one. But I think, like you said, I think both of the main talents, Phillips and 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 Joaquin, uh, are unlikely to sign up for sequels most of the time, other than Hangover two, three, and probably four at some point. Um, but it, it's hard for me to imagine. With the with the critical acclaim this movie will get, that they won't at least try to do something else. And box office records and yeah. everything. I mean, yeah. Th- yeah, this is... I think that what will probably happen is that even if it's a different director, a different cast, it's going to be marketed as, like, this continuation yes. of this universe. You know? Yeah. Oh, it's like... Because I feel like, you know, for years, every like, comic book fans have been saying, like, we want gritty movies. We want adult yeah. movies. And finally... They're given that, and for the most part, it's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, all right, people... It was kind of similar to when Deadpool came out, and it was like, the fans have been wanting an R-rated Deadpool film for years. Yeah. Finally, you give it to them, and it's good. It does great at the box office. Everyone likes it. Yep. Let's roll with this. Yeah. And so they're probably going to try to roll with it any way that can. Yeah. But yeah, but I, I don't... This kind of like prestige filmmaking <laughs> that we see here, I don't think that's going to continue as a no. franchise. I, I mean, I'm, I'm very curious to see where it pans out, but this was, this was, you know, I didn't know what to expect going into this movie because I avoided trailers like a fucking maniac. This was the first movie. I think, I don't know if you remember me saying, I think on one of our podcasts, like the trailer for the Joker just came out and it's the first one I'm not watching. And it was like the day after a star Wars trailer came out or something <laughs> like that. And I was already so tightly wound. And I had nothing, I had no idea what to expect, but I still had like my, my kind of 
I guess, ingrained thing of what a Joker movie should be. It is very real and very oddly topical to like today's society, I would say, too. Yeah, and, I think it's very much trying to say a lot about, it our, about today. It yes. definitely is. Like, especially kind of after the, the I guess you could say, climax or yeah. finale of yes. the film. There's a one shot in particular yeah. that we'll probably talk about for 20 minutes <laughs> uh, based on the fact that Nimble News took us 40 tonight. It's I'm still digesting it. I I don't know, and that's what I feel like with a lot of Joaquin Phoenix films. Like he is he's a fucking force, man. Oh, I think he's one of the best actors alive today. Yeah. I think that he's he's phenomenal. And like I, you know, despite my problems with this, despite the fact that I, in some ways, feel like this could be considered an irresponsible film mm-hmm. to make. Beyond that, just in terms of like sometimes there's movies where I just think I'm so glad that this exists to be appreciated and picked apart because. And the reason I say it about this is because I feel like if this same movie was made about the same kind of guy, but it wasn't called Joker, it wasn't connected to comic books, it was just like, just his character study, not part of any bigger universe, Mm -hmm. that this would be like an indie movie and there would have been 10 people in the theater when I saw it. But it's breaking records, sold out theaters, and I'm sure that many people in the theater are like, this is not what I wanted or thought this was going to be, because... I mean, it's a superhero, like, you just, it's Joker, superhero film, of course they're going to go see it without no much more than that, Yeah. and I think it's going to disappoint a lot of people for that reason, but I'm just, I think that this was, it was a daring movie to make. Like this was, was. This was not the film, that, like, like, the by the book, they could have made a much more palatable film, and it yeah. still could have been critically acclaimed, still could have made so I, much money, and they're trying something very new, which I appreciate that I think it's I think it's really interesting what you said is that if he's not the Joker in this movie like imagine this movie a I will say a, a big part of what made me like this movie is the connections to the Batman universe yeah subtle all the Wayne in a lot stuff, of ways yeah. all the Wayne stuff mm-hmm. not subtle but there are some other things and I that kind of kept pulling me back in to be like I'm interested to see how this connects to that world because I didn't really think it would but imagine he's not the Joker imagine he doesn't wear the makeup imagine he's not a clown. Imagine he is, he's not dressed at, like that at the end. Imagine he doesn't turn into the Joker. And somebody makes this movie. Do you think the, the like outcry of this movie is going to inspire people would be more heated? Do you think it would be more aggressive if it wasn't? If it was a, I, I an think indie that, film about, a, about somebody who committed mass murder, essentially. I think that there are many provocative films that just aren't on anyone's radar. So they don't become controversial. Like, all yeah. these news stories, it's kind of like... But, like nothing big has actually happened as a result no. of this, but there's been this discussion about it for weeks because part of it is because this is one of the most highly anticipated movies of the year. It is. People are so excited about it, and also it has this nature to it. I, so I, I, I don't think that this would be there'd be nearly the outcry if this was just some indie movie. I see. I kind of disagree because I think the Joker aspect is what makes it literally comical. You know, it makes it fantasy. If this was an indie film about somebody who committed like a, a shooting or anything, and then let me make it very clear that. I am not in the camp that this is going to inspire people to go out and commit violence. However, the constant news coverage saying that it should inspire somebody to go out and kill people might. But I don't think this movie... Like, if you think back to Taxi Driver mm-hmm. and Robert De Niro, who's also in this movie, and I think that's why Todd Phillip cast him, as an outcast who society has abandoned, like the description from IMDb said, and he ends up killing a bunch of people. Like, that movie was critically acclaimed, wasn't... I guess I wasn't around back then, but I don't <laughs> think there was much backlash. The papers were all about it. <laughs> but, like... It's so interesting to me to think of like this as just a story of a guy versus the story of the Joker. Because as as a story of a guy who's not the Joker, 
it is horrifying in a lot of ways. And it's because he's the Joker at the end, you kind of leave thinking it all makes sense. That's what he did. That's why he's who he is today. But like, if it's just somebody who did a terrible thing and then went on to do more terrible things, it's basically, I, I mean, it's, it's the Joker versus a random serial killer essentially. And it's, well, and I think that, I get so you. you're getting at another thing that I, another like kind of problem I have, which is that like, I think, and of course, we're not going to go into spoilers yet, but like one, I think overall kind of message of this film is that we should care about the less fortunate. So early on in the film, you know, social services in Gotham are cut, which results in kind of his, the snowballing effect yeah. of him becoming the person yes. that he is. He's off his meds. Yes. And I think that Todd Phillips would like to believe that one of the takeaways of this film is, oh shit. We need to support people because I yes. didn't even realize people could be this fucked up because I don't see this firsthand. But now that I'm seeing what could happen, yeah. we need to support social problems. You know, like, I, I think that in an ideal world, that'd be the number one takeaway from and this And that, film. to me, literally was. Not that I like didn't feel that way already, but you walk out of this movie thinking, like, the fact that we're cutting services to mental health and that not everyone has affordable access to mental health, that is honestly what I've been thinking about since I left the theater is, like, how do we live in a society that does not focus their, their main focus should be on its citizens, mental health, right? Because if that's not supported and well-managed and people can get the medicine they need, crazy shit happens. And I don't mean to say crazy in the sense of like that type of crazy, but wild things happen that are not normal. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of the point of this, of the story, but also I think a lot of people are going to see this and get more scared of people who have mental illness. I think that's absolutely going to be a as a side effect, whatever. Like it can also be a result of this that people think yeah. you well, want to help them, but also like the guy on the subway who's kind of weirding me out right now. That could be the fucking Joker. That guy can murder me. I do understand how people could get that, but I think it's it's a matter of, and I don't give based on my last three theater going experiences, I don't give the average citizen this much credit. But I think most people would think if we continue to provide services and counseling and medicine to people, this will not happen. And that person might seem a little uh, off, but they're doing what they need to do. And I know they have the resources they need and they're taken care of. And I doubt they actually are the Joker or that type of person who's going to do something wild. But it's a really like that's what weighs on you when you leave this movie. And maybe that maybe the fear of this kind of thing actually happening is maybe that's the motivation. You know, if empathy and if love aren't going to get people to support social programs and to try to help the least among us, maybe we need to make them scared a little bit of those people. If that's going to be what it takes. But what I'm trying to get at is that by the end, when it becomes more comic booky and it feels like it's kind of idolizing. And I feel like what it does, it says, Oh, that journey that, that we're supposed to be kind of, wary of and like maybe scared of him or maybe like we're worried if this is going to happen in real life now oh well he becomes the badass joker that we all know I and think, love so like it's not as much of a cautionary tale but, as it could have been but i think if you look at his mom it's the exact counter story it's the if if this person is untreated they're not going to harm people you know out in society they're going to harm you know their son people at home yeah. they're going to make more people like this and it's it's kind of a good point of like help somebody early so they don't hurt somebody later on. She doesn't get any fame. She doesn't get any supporters. She is just acting off of her mental illness her entire life and creating somebody who that's all they know. And I think that's a very good reason to, it's kind of a nice juxtaposition to the Joker being supported by his supporters and 
what usually happens, I think, in, in, in real life when somebody struggles this hard with finances and with mental health, you're going to be stuck and there's not much that's going to help you. I don't know. It's, it's a, again, I still need to stew over this movie because you leave this movie with a lot on your shoulders and a lot on your mind and so much to think about just in terms of society and, and how we treat people with mental illness. And it's, I'm like, it's honestly like stuck with me in a, in a very heavy way. Yeah. Same. I think that we need to get into our spoiler segment because we have much more to talk about. Yes. But uh, before we do that, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Are you a mom who just wants what's best for your family? Is it ever hard to find time in your busy schedule to drive all the way to the grocery store? Do you typically do your shopping at Kroger, the one downtown on Jefferson Street? Did you go there last Monday, maybe around 5.30 p.m.? Were you wearing a blue cardigan and khakis? While you were buckling your two children in the backseat of your silver Toyota Yaris, did you set your purse on the ground just for a moment? Did the purse topple over sideways, scattering your belongings all over? And you quickly picked up your things and stuffed them back into your purse before getting in the car and driving west out of the parking lot, but you were in such a hurry, there was one thing you left on the ground. And it probably wasn't until you got home, maybe even the next day or the next week, but eventually you would drive yourself insane in search of the one thing you left sitting in the Kroger parking lot, which was your nail clippers. Surely you search in every drawer, between every couch cushion, you probably even accuse your spouse of misplacing them. You probably thought to yourself, those are my favorite clippers, but at this point, I'll take anything I can get. I just need to trim my fingernails. Well, you're in luck, because today's episode of Fast Food Film Friends is brought to you by CVS Pharmacy, where you can get 30% off any pair of nail clippers online using promo code DROPPEDMYCLIPPERS at Kroger. CVS Pharmacy, where you matter most. And we're back, ready to dive into spoilers of Joker. Notice I didn't say the the that time for the very first time. Uh, We're going to spoil this entire movie, so if you have not seen this movie, uh, now would be the time to turn this podcast off or just mute it and keep listening so we still get credit for somebody listening. Either way, don't spoil this movie for yourself. Go see it in the theater in like a week or two once all the mainstream people who see it on opening weekend are not, so your theater-going experience isn't spoiled. Nathan. Spoiler snacks are also something we normally do during this part, uh, but you have not hinted at all at what tonight's spoiler snack will be. That is right. I've kept it a very well hidden secret, and I am very excited to eat with you Pizza Hut's Ultimate Hershey's Chocolate Chip Cookie. Ultimate ultimate Hershey's. Ultimate. This is the one that you want. I'll be right back. I'm gonna uh, get it. Okay. I'll sit here and wonder what Ultimate Hershey's means. Is it more chocolate, or is it the best chocolate, or is it... A giant cookie? Now, okay. Answer, yes. Don't don't open this box, mm-hmm. because if no, I'm, it's going, four separate if I'm going off Cheez-It pizza <laughs> rules, this is the same size box. Exact same. Although Hershey-themed instead of Cheez-It themed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would assume there are four small chocolate chip cookies inside of here. <laughs> and some marinara sauce. And probably some sort of weird dipping sauce. Well, let's open this up, because I think you are going to be happy. This is what I want from my cheese it pizzas. One <laughs> you giant want a circle? thing. One giant thing. Go so big. we're going to eat this entire thing, right? I'm going to have one tiny slice of this. I would imagine you will eat three-fourths, and there will be a tiny bit left over. I can't wait. Oof. We're going to need some uh, utensils, probably. So we have cut out two slices from this cookie, and we've microwaved them for a few seconds just to give that chocolate a little more ooey and gooey. Now, uh, 
I don't know about you, but I want to take a bite of this. Possibly just one I, bite for the entire I thing. I want to say that this is under duress because I do not think we should have microwaved them. Uh, but I will. Ooh, you much, touched it and changed your much mind. Much gooier, yeah. Well, I mean, I knew it was going to be better, but I feel like it's, you know what, let's give it a shot. This is a sizable cookie, I want to say. Bon appetit. Can't fuck up a chocolate chip cookie, can you? They should just change their name to Cookie Hut. I'd much rather eat this than any of their pizzas. Now, how much does one giant, I'm going to say, I'm familiar with this length, so eight and a half inch diameter cookie cost you? <laughs> this was $5. And the Cheez-Its were 6 Much better deal going with cheese. Oh, yeah. Cookies. This is some much of the best deal. value. Yeah. Think about what you'd pay for a cookie at like a sandwich shop, probably a dollar fifty. I don't buy like a nice thick cookie. I bake my own. I think this is a great value. Five bucks. I mean, this is big. Size of a youth or woman's basketball, diameter wise. <laughs> I think that's a woman's basketball? Youth. I'll stick with youth. <laughs> if you have to take a cross section. Right. And if it was filled with chocolate, chocolate chip cookie. And not air and leather. I should have played basketball. No, this is good. I, uh, I didn't think it would be. I think the microwave gave it a huge advantage. So I think most of the time you get this, you know, delivered. It's been sitting in someone's car for a while. You know, I will say, hopefully they leave it on top of the pizza so it gets that residual heat rising from the pizza that you also order. Because I assume most people don't just order one of these. I mean, it's a good, it's a, for five bucks, how many people do you think this would feed? I mean, based on our slices, you could feed eight easy. With Jesus' help, millions. Oh, that's true. That's true. You bring him into the equation. It's a whole new ballgame. You talk like the microwave and makes it kind of like an unfair analysis, but like, it does. If you microwave shitty food, it doesn't become good food. Well, if it's... Eh, I don't know. I think with baked goods, that's different. We microwave your apple cider donuts because it makes them better. I think any baked good no, that gets but microwaved... you hear what I said. It doesn't make shitty... It does make it better. I'm not arguing with that. Oh, okay. It doesn't make bad food into good food. Well, it depends on how close it is to that line, really. It makes good food into great food. It gives food. it a marked improvement. That's all I'm arguing. Yeah, you shove that in your mouth and you don't debate me on that. It's good, though. I think it'd be good either way. You think you could slap it in your oven too? It's in a, it comes in its own little pie tin. As you know, when I go home tonight, I'm going to finish this. Oh God! And the only reason I don't do it right now is because I have to talk mm. about this movie. You're probably going to slice yourself another little piece of that during this conversation. I would mm. imagine. I'm going to hold off. We'll see. It's a nice box too. I will say, 3D Hershey. This and the cheese. It's box. They look good. Lots of fast food places are doing these collabs with other brands. Yeah. The presentation's almost always great. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you're getting paid to put their name on it. So right. they're, they're willing to fork it over for the good box. So this film, it's painting a picture of how Gotham came to be due to wealth inequality. You know, a topic that's very prevalent in our politics today. And it's just kind of like, I feel like the whole story is this like chicken or the egg scenario where it's like there's these riots happening because the lower class is angry at the upper class. But the upper class is angry about these murders of the Wall Street guys. But then they... Those happen because those guys initiated the violence. And so it's like what started as one altercation spiraled into basically the downfall of a major city. I don't think this is unique to this movie, though. I think in several Batman movies, the intros and most of the stories outline the fact that the rich got way too rich and the poor got way too poor. And no, absolutely. Gotham evolved into chaos. I mean, this is it's like I'm saying, it's painting the picture of Gotham as we know it like. It's no different than than the city it is in many in the other series. What I'm saying is that this tracks it back to a very specific single starting point. Yeah. Really a single incident that spiraled into this. Mm-hmm. And 
I think that, you know, Todd Phillips, the director, is clearly drawing parallels between oh. the politics of Gotham and the politics of America today. 100%. And like, I mean, we all know everyone today is more polarized than ever, more entrenched in their views than ever. And it doesn't I, feel like this, like, fighting between class and race and ideals is really ever going to stop. It doesn't feel like that. Nathan, I like to think that we are portrayed as a society that is totally divided on that. But I really like to, and I will still hold on to the thought that most people are reasonable and doing whatever they can to get by. And yes, ultra rich billionaires, that's a whole nother argument. And yes, we should help the ultra poor. But I like to think in my mind that most people, and this is why I'm going to run for office at some point are reasonable, decent people who are just trying to make their own world a better place and the world for the people around them a better place. I don't disagree with any of that, but like, do you agree that politically we are more polarized as a society than we have been in your lifetime? I think we are portrayed that way. I think, I don't know. I think that that's like what, again, what this, this film's kind of getting at is how like that is how we, we didn't start like in any kind of aspect you can consider it like a two sides thing, but like We, we, we didn't, we started out, closer and specific instances have brought us further apart but this is this is it's think about society and history as a whole like revolutions against wealthy have happened time and no, time, I, and time I don't, again no no i don't mean in the history of time or in the history of america i'm talking like in our lifetimes in the last few decades they were we are at a pretty point. upset about clinton getting that beach i'll tell you that much <laughs> let's see stuff like that seems so like Inoculus. that was that was the biggest thing that happened in like yeah, uh, that was. five year span and now that would be uh, if that same thing kind of thing happened that'd be a headline for two days Not that's why it'd be like that, finally trump gets some action <laughs> the point is that so the, the joker it's about this lower class angry at the upper class who's angry at the lower class it's this cycle and he's at this late night interview I okay with murray franklin <sighs> And he and Murray asked him, I forget the wording, but he basically asked him what, you know, what's his political opinion? Like, is he with is he with these says, protesters? What's, what's with the outfit? Like, he asked him why you, like, you say you're not political, but why are you dressed like that? Yeah. And he very proudly says that he's not political. He's not on either side. Like, we know that about the Joker. He's not political. He doesn't take sides. He's his own thing. But can you here's the here's the issue. Like, you, you don't know that. About, like, half this movie is his imagination. You don't know that he doesn't hate the rich. He probably does because of the whole Thomas Wayne situation. Well, sure, yeah. He might he, say he's not political, but he seems to be doing this strictly for political reasons against the rich person who won't help him because they're struggling. I, I mean, I call it more personal and political. He's, yeah. I don't think he's doing any of what he's doing with the idea of the societal ramifications. I, mean, I think he's doing it for himself. I think he's doing it for the idea of the societal ramifications of himself because... If he doesn't do anything, he is forever abandoned by society. If he doesn't cause chaos, nobody's going to care about him at all, ever. And he already knows that because he's lived his whole life that way. Okay, I, I see what you mean, but like, but so, but he definitely doesn't see himself as being on one of those sides. And like, what I'm trying to kind of work through, and what I like want to see what you think is like the the message, the takeaway of this story. Do you think that Todd Phillips is trying to say something about? 
the polarized sides of society and like what it means to be on one of them or to be on neither side. Did, I think. Did you feel any of that? I think he absolutely is. She's this movie's heavy on commentary that's super topical to our society today. I think he's definitely trying to say there's a huge divide right now, but I think he's also trying to say the actions of one unstable person shouldn't be what starts this conflict. And that I think the main shot that I mentioned earlier is after he's on the car surrounded by people, Mm -hmm. it zooms out to 20 screens, 30, 40 screens, all covering this incident in, in sensationalized ways and saying the Joker, the Joker, the Joker, he did the, it for this reason. He did it for this reason. I think his, his commentary is much more about how media is focuses. amplifying the signal yes. for the message. Yes. And, but I don't, I, I think again, because of that point in this movie, I don't think he is saying we're as divided as we're told we are. And that's kind of where I settle in is because this one person who stands for this one thing gets nonstop news coverage for probably weeks. Everyone in that city thinks it's rich versus poor. It's it's us against them. Mm-hmm. Pick your side now, or or stay the fuck out of it. And I and I think that because he stays on it for so long, that zooming out of screens, it's saying stop letting the 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 motions of one person, the actions of one person, whether it's the Joker, whether it's Donald Trump, whether it's Nancy Pelosi, whether it's anybody, that shouldn't frame how everyone in America feels. And that's like my main issue with politics today is like. You can either be one or the other. And it's so mind-numbing that there's not more people saying, no, fuck that. And this is, I'll announce it officially here, the 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 name of my political party will be reasonable and decent people for transparency. And it's like, I think most people are in that camp. But it's like, I'm not going to fucking go on the news and be a talking head and say, uh, I think they're both wrong. We should probably just try to get shit done and, and get along. Nobody's saying that because that doesn't catch headlines. That doesn't get people tuning into your news station. And it's like that zoom out because this whole movie, you're so close to him and you understand exactly what got him to that point. And then it zooms out to him being basically misrepresented by everyone as like a face of the poor and somebody fighting against the rich. And it just keeps zooming out and there's more and more screens. And it's like that shot alone stuck with me so much. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm not one to say like, and a fake media or anything like that, but like, a lot of stuff is sensationalized. What, what you're saying right now, though, that you feel like saying this about the media puts you on one side. I don't think you, it does. No, but that's. But I feel like that's the thing to avoid is that like we're we, we're scared to say I, I like this that, or I think I this think because that. it because it makes you feel like no, you're no, no, on no, one no, of those no, sides. no because there's there's media on both sides. That's not what I'm saying at all. I think media sensationalizes because it makes some money across the board. Uh, I don't think one side does it more than the other. I think one channel maybe does it more than the other. But I'm not scared to say that. I'm just saying. Media does that because without sensations, nobody tunes in. Uh, and by the way, you should watch the movie Network from the 80s because it's about the start of this type of news coverage and it's fucking amazing. But it's, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm one side or the other. I'm not scared to say things because people will think I'm one side or the other. I think if you can sit down with somebody and have a fucking conversation, you can usually figure out they're reasonable and decent and you might disagree on like two talking points. And that's great because you should disagree with people on things. But when you start not being able to even disagree and not being able to talk to somebody decently or Mm -hmm. not being able to say, yes, I disagree, let's still go grab a beer. Like that's where it gets messed up. And I, I, this movie, like, I don't know, that's that zoom out of all those screens. I was like, they just people latch onto one action 
and then it can form this huge movement. And it took down, granted it's a fictional city, but it takes down Gotham eventually. You know, like the the richest man who says he's trying to help the poor, who knows if he is or not, is is literally killed with his wife in front of his child. And then, like, <laughs> a vigilante is born who continues to help destroy the city to try to kill this one guy. And it's like, <laughs> what's the point? Like, what's... It's just, like, is so nonsensical and pointless. At the end of this movie, I thought, like, the, why didn't the Joker just go away? Like, why, why did Batman have to be born too... Like, that's his main thing is fighting the Joker. And it's like, just fucking leave each other alone. Like, stop doing these elaborate plan, elaborate plans to, like, get near each other to try to kill each other, but then just monologue forever. It's like, just fucking go your separate ways and understand that you disagree. Do you think that... Okay, and I know this is, like, a silly question because we know the story of Gotham. We've seen Batman movies and all that. Do you think that Todd Phillips, or, like, the people who, like, wrote this story... Do you think that they see Gotham at the end of this movie as being past the point that uh, they have no hope? Or do you think that he's, you think that this is like, all right, this town, this city's fucked and this is why it happened. Or do you think it's that like hypothetically a city like this still has a chance of redeeming itself? Well, that's the worst part. I think is that a city can exist in constant turmoil like this, like in every story with the Joker, it's the same in every Batman movie. There's the divide between the rich and the poor. And it's, it's the same it's there it's always there and -hmm. i feel like in society it's it's usually always there in in almost every society you have poor people you have rich people and guess what they have different you know motivations and intentions and priorities and those don't match up what a shock like it's i don't think it's past the point of no return or like not being saved i think it's just once you get to a point like this you can't not expect people from both sides to get angry and, and try to hurt each other. Right. And it's, I don't know. It's just, uh, this movie I just, I, sad, man. I find myself feeling like I, you know, if maybe if our society, like if in this metaphor of this film, maybe our society is somewhere in the middle of this movie where it's like things are, have started to go, go wrong and there's these riots and there's things are getting out of control, but we're not quite to the point where everything is just mass fucking chaos. But it's yeah. like, what do we do? To, to improve the situation. You know, the Joker killing those guys in the train was how it all started. Yeah. Obviously, our societal problems started at some point decades ago for whatever reasons. So, like, Ten we can't Monday. go back to there, but what can we do now? I don't I don't know. But that, and that's why I, I left this movie and, like, every every news article I read since I, I've watched this movie is just like, oh, we're heading there? We're, on our, we're well on our way. It's like, you know, whether it's... Hong Kong protests right now or like the camps in China right now and I I know we're not a political podcast but uh, you don't think so uh, maybe we are actually I was told earlier that we were um, but I think you look at what's going on in the world and like it's leaving this movie it's it's very clear that those those different priorities between the rich and the poor have huge effects in making divides amongst people huge effects and and really separate people if you take somebody from you know the bottom income bracket and put them in a room with somebody from the top income bracket and have people bet on whether they get along or find common ground, like everyone's going to take the money that they won't. But I feel like if you leave them alone long enough, they fucking get there finally. But it's the ch- it's the fact that if you were to do that in today's society to put them in a room, they both have their phones and TV and just echo chambers surrounding them completely, driving them farther and farther and farther apart from each other. Mm-hmm. Instead of just looking across the table and being like, oh, you're a person, uh, you like to cook? 
Like that doesn't get brought up. Like it's it's sad, man. I think it's, it's interesting that this this allegory was told using like a, the the settings of like a seventies city. Like before yes. we had all this technology. I mean, I think as you know. I sound like a fucking grandpa, but like as great as technology is, it's probably the number one reason it we is. are where we are right it is. now. Absolutely. But, like, but at this, the same time, you, you think of like the global connection and you oh, think there's wonderful things that come from it. Wonderful yes, things. But I think I, I think that allows my ideally again, this is just in my head, that middle group of people being like, Oh, there's people all over the world who realize how fucking stupid both ends of this argument are and realize we need to just fucking compromise on a lot of points and try to do the right thing for everyone. I think it's amplifying that, but again, it's, it's people aren't, those aren't the people who are on the news. Those aren't the people who are getting retweeted for their stupid videos saying something like insane. It's not that those people are doing their jobs, taking care of their families, going to sleep at night, right? Repeat. They're not the ones on TV 24 hours a fucking day. I don't know. This, this movie honestly is such a powerful social commentary that I'm still like grappling with it. And I don't know, I don't know what this movie means. Honestly, I don't. And it, and it, it moved me in so many ways. And I still am like, are we, are we there? Are we, are we to this point? And you asked the question, but I don't, I tried to answer and hopefully we're not, but uh, it's real heavy. We're getting real heavy in a, in a fast food film podcast, but so, uh, I was reading the Wikipedia article for this movie to Let's refresh myself trivia. on the plot. Yeah. And did you realize that that is supposed to be Alfred, the butler at the gate? Oh my God! I didn't, I did didn't not even cross that my mind because he's young. Because it was decades ago. I I thought oh, isn't that great? That guy's pissed. But <laughs> no wonder he loves Bruce so much. That makes me so much happier in that yeah, scene. Like and let that. me tell you, I was very tense during that scene when oh, he yeah. when Bruce sees him over the wall and he like ducks down. I was like, if he pops up with that gun. And shoots little baby Bruce. Be very upset. <laughs> but this is an alternate universe where there's no Batman because he just the, killed him. When well, he the was one like thing 10. I one thing I knew going into this movie was like a snippet from a Todd Phillips interview where he was like, "People are going to be mad at me because I don't follow the comic books at all." Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ugh. "So when every time like the Waynes got brought into it, I was like, what the fuck's going to happen?'" But this I, I was surprised they were brought into it at all. I, I thought when they first mentioned that Thomas Wayne would be kind of like this figure That's on TV. Ex- yes. But yeah, they went exactly. into their life much closer than I thought. I thought it was going to be nothing. Until at one point when, when he dresses up as an, as an usher and is in the theater, I was like, oh shit, does the Joker kill his parents? Right. I thought he was going to kill him on that theater night. He does not. Um, but other than that, you know, absolutely. I thought there's no way this is going to connect to Batman on that level. And it re. I mean, for like 45 minutes of the movie, you think they're brothers. Yeah. Like, I, was I literally like, wrote down what's happening right Joker now? <laughs> is Batman's brother. I was like, so fu- Arthur is his son, exclamation point. Batman's half-brother. And I was losing my mind. And then you find out his mom was just delusional and crazy. Well, and okay, I feel like... I don't know if, this is, the, crazy. if this is the intention or if this is just something I'm reading too much into. But like, think of how easily the most powerful billionaire in the city could get an adoption paper forged. Well, that and could have all been fake, and could give somebody enough drugs to make them seem insane. Yeah, he could. I mean, all this could have happened at his direction. Could have. And so, like the that's the canon of this movie is that like maybe they're related. I think this movie is so good at misdirection. Mm-hmm. It is nothing but misdirection the entire time. Half the things you see aren't real. Half the things mm-hmm. are Arthur's dreams, and you know his what he hopes 
happens in his life or what he maybe even thinks happens in his life when he's off his meds. And then slowly you're kind of, you know, given tidbits like that was fake. That was fake. That was fake. That wasn't real. Mm -hmm. Um, But there were several points like right when Zazie got introduced, Zazie beats. I don't know her character name in this. She plays his neighbor. I I was like, is Zazie, is Zazie real? That's what I wrote. Like, and I was like, it seems because he like kisses her at one point. I was like, Right. That was the moment, too, when I was like, this is probably not real. But what you're saying, is this real? It puts you in that mentality of not being able to tell what's real, which is how he feels. Well, that's exactly right. He doesn't know it's not real. That's why it's so such an amazing storytelling device, because he doesn't either. You're so spot on. It's it's you're seeing these things happen. And so is he, Mm -hmm. apparently. Uh, And it's it makes it impossible to tell what's up from down. It does. And And, like and then knowing, when he, knowing when, his mother went through that too, yeah. And then again, this goes back to like that type of thing, just breeding more of it. Because if you're preaching deception and preaching dis- delusions, I guess not deception. I shouldn't say that; it's not purposeful. But if if that's what you thrive on, like that's what you're going to latch onto because it's all you have, I guess, for him. I love the scene when he's in Zazie's apartment and she finds him, and you're thinking like in most movies. You're thinking, all right, he's kind of already starting to go off the edge. This could be really bad. It's be violent. But in this one, it's so he's just he's just so hurt. He's he, just like, what do you mean? Like, and he just leaves, and like, thankfully, nothing worse happens. Hey, but it's so it's so painful. This was one of the first issues. I have a few issues with the film. Mm-hmm. Number one, Zazie doesn't lock her door. Are you fucking kidding? Yeah, me? Yeah, I thought the same thing. She complains about the building nonstop. Doesn't lock her door. Yeah, uh, but that scene was. Well, she was still awake. Technically, yeah. she could have just been like, hadn't gone to bed yet. Hadn't locked the door. I, you lock your door. I lock my door in Madison, Wisconsin. I've been to my friend's houses in, in New York. They lock them pretty quick. Uh, like, you lock your door. Sure. I like to think, at least. But that scene, when you hear the little girl, like she's putting the little girl to bed, yeah. you hear that and you're like, oh my God. Right. This is going to be bad. Before you even, before like the Zazie part is broken. Yeah. You're like, I was so tense. I was like, this is where the movie's going. And then when she goes, your name's Arthur, right? Like, boom, boom, boom. Everything collapses. And I think he just says, like, I had a really bad day. Drenched in rain. Like, just found out about his absolutely terrifying childhood with his delusional mother. Like, traumatizing. He got the head injury that makes him laugh. It's like, it's such a sad movie throughout. It's so sad. You just think. How many failures and how many systems had to happen for this to be the outcome? The Joker to be the outcome? Yeah. So many things had to fail. Adoption process had to fail. Like, social services had to fail. The the civil worker, that their social worker that he talks to had to fail. Right. Not that she did, but who knows? It's well, the like, part when she's like, <laughs> like the she tells him that this is their last meeting, and yeah. the next thing she says is, they don't give a shit about you, and I'm like... Probably the wrong thing to say yeah. to an unstable Maybe person. say, like, there's another location. <laughs> maybe so, give any hope. It's just a little farther away. Like, maybe do anything. But it's it's so... I don't know. And that's what makes you think, like, pe- people go through that probably every week. Like, their services get shut down. And they're like, where do, where do I get my pills with something that weighed on me so heavily? Like, where do I get the things that keep me sane? Mm-hmm. How do I not go crazy? And she's just like, Meh. They don't really fucking care. It's like, well, then I'm going to go crazy. You're you're very right that it's a 
this is a movie about systemic failures. <sighs> and again, which brings me back to like, if this is a, a, a warning sign, like a, a story that's supposed to get us to do something, mm-hmm. what are the systems that yeah. we can invest in? You know, what are the things that we need to do better? And obviously you're right. There's many, you know, social programs that need more money. Mm-hmm. Like that's a thing that we need to do, but also like, what can we do for these people personally? Is there, yes. are there things that we can do? I yes. don't, I don't know. It's very sad to see. And again, like the, I don't remember what the intro, what we said, like the plot synopsis of this is off IMDb, but like somebody's abandoned by society and it's, it's disregarded by society. Disregard, and it's totally true. It's like a, yeah, we know you have health issues. What do you expect us to do? We can't fund one whole department for you. Like that doesn't make sense. What do you take a farther trip? It's like, oh, I don't, I can't afford bus fare. Well, fuck you. Like it's, it's, Way too real. Again, this is why this movie I left like shooken up because it is way too real. We talked last week about the amorality of capitalism. Yeah. And how in a system run by money where money is the ultimate end goal is having more of it. Mm -hmm. And our end goal is not helping everyone. It's it's not empathy. It's none of that. It's money. Yeah. So people are in immense suffering yeah. because they don't have money. Yeah. And we are even our society alone has the money to stop that from happening mm-hmm. in theory. So how do we change that? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I don't fucking know. I uh, want a, again, a perfect example of capitalism. He kills three people. His description is released. Somebody capitalizes on making masks that look literally exactly like his makeup and hair and selling it to the masses. That was one of my main points is like, all the masks are perfectly rep- represented. Yeah, they're not like everyone making them at home. They're no. like manufactured. Yeah. Manufactured, but it's like perfectly his makeup. He right. There wasn't yeah, a picture yeah. taken. There wasn't, you know, footage of him in that makeup. But somehow... Was it just eyewitness report? I forget how it was. Because people was knew there was clown the makeup. The lady is apparently the only eyewitness, I would assume. I but forget. I don't... She, anyway. The one who the three guys were kind of assaulting at first. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. She's the only one who sense. saw him. Right, yeah. So she said it's a clown, but then the d- detectives argue about whether he was wearing a mask or not. Like, we heard it both ways. Yeah, She's yeah. the only okay. one who saw him. Yeah. But, like, all the masks are perfect representations of his clown makeup. And I was like, that's A, bullshit. <laughs> not going to happen. But B, like, fuck whoever made this. And now they're everywhere. That's capitalism at its finest. Welcome to Socialism Hour. We'll be talking about the Joker and cheese at pizzas. <laughs> so, uh... Are you familiar with the comedian Gary Goleman? I thought you were going to say, are you familiar with climbing into your fridge? But uh, I'm familiar with... Neither. It actually looked kind of comfortable. It was like on a, on a, summer, day. Yeah, on a summer day. But he was like, the one thing, like he had an old school fridge and those do not... Disassemble? No, they don't open from the inside. It's not just like a push. It was a latch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was on the same thing. So I was when he like, did that, I was he, like... Is he stuck? He's dead. And then you think to your... Uh, who knows? That everything after that was imaginary. It's, and he's it's, been dead in the fridge. That's what I'm saying. It's like you can't get out of those fridges, but I don't want to open that can of worms. Gary Goleman is a real life comedian who plays the stand up comedian in this movie. He's the one who's given the bit early on when Joker oh. is taking notes. Yeah. He's one of my favorite comedians. And I saw him and I was like, what? I didn't know he was in this. I had never heard of him. And like, what's funny is like, so he actually looks like that. He's like slicked back hair. Yeah. And. The Joker is writing down notes. One of them he says, like, it says a slick back hair. Oh. And yeah. so it's like, what, like, in this world, Gary Goleman's look is what inspired the Joker, which is really oh, funny. Man. But, okay, have you ever, have you ever noticed, thought about how, like, whenever there's stand up in movies, it's, like, never funny? 
Uh, I don't think it's ever crossed your mind before. I'd say, like, most big movies, it's probably not funny. But, like, you think of, you know, uh, The Big Sick and things like that. There's funny ones. Yeah. Oh, it I'm, depends, I'm it depends of, like, on the quality. Like, mainstream movies, yes, it's not funny. Yeah. And it's and usually, like, a great example is the recent film Late Night with Emma Thompson. She plays a late night host. And, like, she's giving all these jokes. The crowd's really enjoying it. And I'm like... These are really unfunny jokes. I don't mm-hmm. get it. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, I kind of realized what the problem is with like movie stand-up. Because Gary Goldman's bit in this movie is one of his real bits that he actually no did way. in a special years ago. And I remember when I listened to the special, I thought the bit was really funny. But then when I watched it in the movie, I was like, wow, this is really not funny. Why did I think this was funny before? I but I realized, But I realized it's because the way that... like. Whether it's, it's like framed. the way the sound is either the way it's edited in or the way they tell the audience, the extras to laugh. It's very like, here's a sentence and then everyone laughs. Yeah. Here's a sentence. Everyone laughs. But in reality, that's not how stand-up shows go. Like yeah. people are taught, like some people get the joke a few seconds later. Some people are just kind of laughing at the idea of the whole thing. There's like yeah. this constant kind of bubbling laughter. Yeah. yeah. But in movies, it's so fake. And like, Pointed. and like, it, it was amazing how the same bit went from being funny to not funny. Just because of that edit. I now want to watch his stand-up like, comedy because I was like, this guy's not funny. I was, he, like, he's, he, I was like, he's 70s funny. He's known for being like every comedian's favorite comedian. I've never heard of him. Yeah. I mean, he, he's I enjoy his stuff a lot. But yeah, he was, it was very unfunny in the movie. Can uh, I, think, I think, A, I'm going to watch that guy's comedy special. But B, uh, Joaquin's dancing in this movie, mm-hmm. I think, is... Such an important, and again, his physical acting outside of the dancing, mm-hmm. his hysterical laughter, because he has the issue where he laughs that doesn't match his emotions. It, like, it's what, so good. I feel like whenever he experiences emotions, he just laughs hysterically. Makes for A, great acting, but B, some of the most like painfully awkward scenes. But his dancing, even from early on when he's up late, you know, with when his mom's gone to bed, mm-hmm. and he's just like, oh, you're a really good dancer. He's like pretending he's meeting someone. It's his dancing is so eerie mm-hmm. and it's so amazing to me. Like he never does the same move twice and maybe it's very his, interpretive dance, but maybe it's like, I think his frail frame plays into it a lot. Cause like most of the time when he's dancing, he's shirtless, but it is so, I feel like I might have nightmares of, of him dancing for the rest of my life <laughs> because it is, it, it's such like a mentally ill person being exactly where they want to be. Like, that's where he thinks he belongs. It's like dancing. Whenever he's at his peaks, he's dancing. When he's alone and, like, things aren't going that wrong, he's dancing. When he's on his way to do something he thinks is good, he's dancing. And it's... Oh, I but just, I, it's interesting that we see him so many times taking notes, imitating things. Yes. In every aspect of his life. But mm-hmm. the dancing... he at no, All his own. At no point is he watching someone dance and, like, trying to do it. He, like you say, he never repeats moves. It's just from... Yes. His inner self. That's the only like pure bit of him I think we get. Because mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. He literally notes down when he's practicing for the talk show, imitates like the guy he's watching perfectly and like restarts when he fucks it up. And it's that dancing is like just so pure. And it, it oddly made me think like, fuck, I should dance more. Cause like I thought the same exact thing. It's one thing. I was like, I want to sign up for dance yeah. classes after this because this looks it's self-expression like at its purest yes. in a weird way. Yes. Like it's that and, and so think, fulfilling. Think of him going to like a bar and doing that, he would get laughed at. Right. He would get he would get teased. 
And I want to like start a place where you can just fucking come and dance like a weirdo. Like, I don't care how people dance. Just the fact that you're out there like squirming around, just get weird with it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I've been to, I've been to a couple raves, raves. Let me hit that V a little harder. (laughs) Raves. Uh, And you see people dancing like that. And at first you're like, what's that guy all about? But then you're like, that guy fucking gets it. He's into the music. He's just dancing. And the Joker doesn't even have music most of the time, but he's still just, his dancing was something that stuck with me so much is like the only real part of him you see like that and and his dreams of like being on the Murray show and like wanting a dad who appreciates him or like a yeah. father oh figure. Oh my god. That was like heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, and then it cuts back to him in bed with his mom who like gave him a terrible life. Like what's the line he says like I used to think my life was a tragedy. Yeah, it's a, it's a comedy. But I yeah. realized it's a comedy and it's like it's not a fucking comedy, dude. The um, yeah Along with that, the laugh is like, oh, it, it's laugh. I like it's the kind of thing that you've never seen in a movie before. Uh-huh. You've never really seen in any kind of performance. It's so unique, but at the same time, it's so fucking good that like at some point I just forgot that he's not a person who actually has this problem yeah. because no, he's absolutely. playing it so well. But like something I just love about this movie is how it takes. Like the Joker, as we know him in other franchises, yeah, he's cartoonish. Like yeah. as twisted as he is, even in the Dark Knight, there's still aspects of him that are so beyond reality. Yes, it's it's a heightened sense of reality. Any other actor that's played the Joker, when they laugh maniacally, even when it's Heath Ledger, it doesn't. It seems ridiculous. It seems it like seems, it why seems like this guy. Yeah, this guy is so entertained with himself yes. that he just wants to laugh in your face. Like it's it's the goofiest aspect of the yes. Joker. But this movie takes that very goofy, very cartoonish character trait and makes it just kind of horrifying. Sad. Yeah, like every time he does it, you're just like, "Ugh, I, I feel for you." This well, is the, it's it's scary and it's he does hard to listen. Such to. a good job of laughing like that, but also like physically showing how he, God damn, he wishes he was not doing that at that yeah, time. Yeah, his face is, is so much pain. It is amazing to watch. And that's why I think this is one of the best performances probably of our lifetimes because it is so hard to laugh hysterically and still show regret and remorse and wanting to stop and trying to stop and looking at a group of men coming towards you about to beat you for laughing, realizing that, laughing more and just getting sadder at the same time. It is such a mix of emotions. It's and it's like he. Oh. At first, I thought that like the choking was part of it, but I think that it's supposed to be that he's trying to like stop. suffocate himself yes. because he's trying yes. to stop air from coming out. Yes. He's like, please, just like stop making it's, sound. Oh, it's so it's so and it's just such an emotional thing. And it, you're absolutely right. Like it change again. That's another thing that changes all the Joker performances that we've seen before. Because they all laugh. Like it idiots. recontextualizes it. And this, it yeah, does. This is, in a very sad way. Like, yeah. I want to watch The Dark Knight again now and be like, I wish he just got the help he needed. Like, honestly. It's... it's one that, When he got on... Okay, so he gets in the fridge. And this is why my crackpot theory of him dying in the fridge exists. Mm-hmm. He gets the call from Murray right after he gets in the fridge. And I was like, hey, how did he get out of the fridge? B, is this show really going to have this guy on? Really? That definitely is the turning point where things start to become... Yes. At, like, as I've been saying, that's the point where things become a little more like a comic book movie. A little bit heightened yeah, But it's sense of right after he locks himself in the fridge. Closed fridge door. 
boom, cut to phone. And I thought, is any of this real? Because even like plenty of shows do that, show people embarrassing themselves, which is fucked up, as he points out in this movie. Right. It's very mean to do that. Uh, but I just kept thinking, like, is he dead or is he thinking this? Like, what? It's and again, it's a crackpot theory, not going to be able to be confirmed by any means. But well, from just, I mean, from that point on, I forget. Does he him killing? The coworker is that happen after that? After that, yeah. after that, because like I feel like it is from that point that he starts kind of like living the way he wants, and he starts kind of mattering to everyone else more. That's what I'm saying. He becomes a person people are talking about. Mm-hmm. That scene when his clown friends came over, yeah, fucked me up. It absolutely <laughs> fucked me up. Like a just how he killed his friend who gave him the gun, which listeners don't ever give a mentally ill person a gun, please, or just. Don't give guns away. That's a good rule of thumb. Uh, like, he's got that resentment for him because he kind of went back on his word and, like, told his boss that the Joker tried to buy a gun from him at some point. And, right. that's, and also, don't bring guns to children's hospitals. That's, a, that's another good lesson. But uh, that actor who watches it happen yeah. and is in the corner and tries to leave, I was so tense during that scene because I was... I was like, I know he's the only one who's nice to him because he early on in the film he says like one line where yeah. he where he says something nice to him or like just doesn't berate him like everyone else does because they're the two guys who get yeah all berated the, the most all the shit yeah and he's he even says like once he lets him out you're the only one who's nice to me but I, like before that you're like was he nice enough to get by was he nice enough to not get oh yeah stabbed? like when he's sitting in the corner and I'm like I don't know what's gonna happen here. well right when he locked that. He puts like the chain in the lock, mm-hmm. the chain lock, and I was like, "Oh, that that little person's not getting out." Yeah, and then like he's like, "You can go," and he's just sitting there, and I was like, "This seems like a trap setup. Seems like a setup." And I was so tense. And then he like he makes a joke like, "Yeah, oh, you know the Marisha? I'm gonna be on it tonight." And I'm sure that that guy's like, "Yep, <laughs> good luck, buddy." And that it, it, again, it just all seems like after he gets in the fridge. Everything he wants to happen, happens. He's on the show. He kills the guy who got him fired. He lets the one guy who didn't fuck with him go and like gives him a new lease on life. And he dances. He looks great. Where the fuck does he get a custom-tailored suit? It's a very nice suit. Where does he get that suit? The color palette is fantastic. He's been wearing nothing like that. And he gets a crowd of people around him cheering him on. And mm-hmm. I just think to myself... It's so hard to believe that everything yeah. falls because of, well, because of all the other delusions that we saw. And he practiced killing himself on that show. He didn't practice killing Murray. Right. He practiced yeah. killing himself because mm-hmm. that's what he wanted. So if he's already done that and is just hallucinating because he's almost so close to death from oxygen deprivation, is all this just happening in his brain like half of the movie has? Yeah. I like this theory a lot. You're making me like the movie even more. It, it, Honestly, this is because that frame of reference is like I enjoy it because it makes all the stuff that I don't like at the end not real. Exactly. And so yeah, it's it's I've been grappling with this. I was at my son's soccer game today, and I I kept watching kids. <laughs> You're just staring into the distance. Kids kick a soccer ball around like <laughs> you guys don't even understand. <laughs> People are putting themselves in fridges, <laughs> and it's only because it's that old model fridge. And I remember my like grandparents tell me the story because they had an old fridge like that like nowadays you can get out from the inside but back in the day once you were in there you couldn't it's like why are you telling me that a but you had to literally like 
pull it. Otherwise, there's no way to get out from the inside. And my first thought when he got in the fridge, because my mind went there too, like, is he going to be stuck there? He was like, wasn't it like the voicemail from the detective was yes. playing? No, and it was, was a voicemail from the person who wanted to bring him on the chef. Well, I think before that was a detective, before he got in the fridge, oh, yeah. he was listening yeah, to that because it was like they were both yeah. on there. And I was like, what if... I mean, who's gonna find him other than maybe the detective if they knock if they like get a warrant to like get in his apartment? Yeah. Which could be days. Yeah. But like who else would even find him? You know? Exactly. His mom's gone. It's, Nobody. Yeah. And so uh, like that's why I I don't even know who I would sit down with to talk about that, but like I'd love to grab Todd Phillips and Joaquin and say, <laughs> hey, let me know about this. I, I just don't know. This movie is well, and I love that this is a film that's going to mean something different to so many different people. It definitely and like, is. One of my favorite things about movies is talking about them and yeah. the different ways we interpret art. Like, Even if Todd Phillips wasn't intending that, it's still a, a worthwhile thought exercise to think, what if this? You yeah. Know? And I, and I, I, love I, I, and I love you know, uh, at least two Atlanta cast members as well being being in a I show. think every movie should have at least two Atlanta cast I members. I agree. Yeah. We should let's get t-shirts saying that cuz I think that's that's the thing. Um the the one thing at the end that like set him as the real joker in my mind is he like he gets in the car, he's in the cop car getting taken to jail. Mm-hmm. Some guy in a clown mask rams that car. They pull him out like he's Jesus Christ and like lay him down and wait for him to to rise again and finally gets up and then he his nose is bleeding and he like oh it's so good he looks and it's bloody and then he gives himself the smile he's always wanted and it's like blood is the only way he's going to be happy that's the only thing that brings him joy and that's what gives him that smile and i was like what a fucking way to do that what a way to do that it's like early on i was wondering i'm like when is because like he's got pretty standard clown makeup when is it going to become the Joker makeup we all know. And isn't there a point... At some point in the movie, there's like... He has something sharp by his mouth. I forget what it is. Well, He has something sharp by his mouth. And I remember thinking, I'm like... Is, is it going to happen? Is he going to do is it? Because it? kind of, everyone, everyone's thinking that. you know, Is well, he going to cut his own Like face? at the very beginning, he's pulling his... Right, yeah. He's pulling his mouth open, yeah. And he does it with Bruce Wayne, too. And I, I get why Batman hates the Joker. Because it's like... <laughs> it, it is. If he did that, if he stopped by to like clown... In front of him and Alfred, and like, it, it's it, very clear that he's the Joker. Batman should know who he is, but he totally escapes the system in this movie. It makes their the backstory of you know their dynamic so much more interesting. Yes, you know, makes yes. it so much more rich. Well, that's what that's, that's that's one of the reasons I like this is because every time they brought in the Waynes, I was like, this is such a different level than I thought they had interaction before. Mm-hmm. Like. With his dad, like he interacted, thinking he was Batman's half brother. No wonder he torments him for the rest of his life. Like he's just as delusional as his mother. He's off his meds, so he's just going to focus on that delusion more and more as being his half brother, the one who deserves to be the rich, wealthy, well-off guy who can afford all the technology in the world. But instead, he's just wrecking, wrecking, wreaking chaos. I think wreaking, wreaking chaos. I'm going to just retract that and say making chaos across gotham and it's i i kind of wish that the joker by the end of this movie he actually thought that he still was bruce's brother because how interesting would it be that like all those years after that he's tormenting him because he actually thinks he's brother but he doesn't want to tell him that yeah he but he knows that but he's like fuck you i'm just gonna ruin your life that's but you think also like when he's at the gate talking to alfred which again i love i did not think of that at all (laughs) talking to alfred 
Bruce probably overhears that and is like, oh, this guy thinks he's my brother. He's like way older than me. Uh, that's probably not the case. But we still are left to wonder because there's so many things that could have happened in a corrupt city like that. It is. There's too much to analyze in this movie, <laughs> yeah. Nathan. There's too much and it stresses me out. Was there anything else that you want to touch on in this movie before we wrap things up? I was happy to see Mark Marin. Um, I liked the, you know, the kind of like taglines of get what you deserve. And do you want me to tell you a joke? What she yeah. says at the end. Which, I think that's going to be what, like a quote that is repeated for many, many way years too to come. Long, way too long. And I don't like the reasons it will be repeated for. No. At the end, do you think he killed the woman who was interviewing him? The woman? Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's, I mean, he has blood on his shoes. Yeah, but on his shoes. I think that the way I read that is he, he, he found her. a way to kill yeah. her using his feet. I mean, that's what I assumed. Yeah. But it's like, oh, God. This movie is... It's definitely worth seeing in theaters because it is. We haven't even talked about like the cinematography or anything. It's no. beautifully shot. <laughs> yes, it, it is. is beautifully done, and it's so you are you are engaged almost the entire time. Granted, the youths were not when they were checking their phones, <laughs> but I can watch somebody have a melancholy moment and still be intrigued and enraptured by something. And it it's a great movie. I don't know if i liked it or not yet like i i i really need to figure out way more about it i think that if it was possible to completely separate art from context this to is separate art. art from like the time and place it's released in then i would say this is just a phenomenal movie yes that that's really you could leave it's it at that it is an amazing film the effect it's going to have on the world is yet to be seen yeah and i think that is where our criticisms lie is like I don't. I don't know. I don't know how I feel I think, about what this movie is going to mean to America. I think the thing is, like me and you went into this movie not looking for a certain message. But if you go into this movie looking for a certain message to align with your beliefs, you could probably find it, regardless of what your beliefs are. You could probably find like, you know what? I should kill the rich, or you know what? Poor don't deserve help, or you know what? I should help the poor, or, you know what? The I should you know support the rich because they're industry makers and they want to help the poor. You could frame this movie any way you want. Absolutely. By saying, oh, maybe that didn't happen. Maybe that was his imagination. Maybe this was not real. And that's what makes it so hard to analyze is that it is basically the musings of a madman and you're given a buffet of it. And it's so hard to try to build like a, a, a moral from that. It's just, it's, it's unique as hell. And it is a piece of art that should be seen but should not be taken into like your context for support of some argument or something like that. Like it should not be, it should just let it be watch it and don't use it for anything else. <laughs> That's probably exactly what's going to happen. Just, yeah. I think that this is going to be one of those movies whose legacy in 20 years, we're going to look back on and be like, yikes, this is probably not what was intended, but the intention of art, once it's put out in the world, it doesn't matter. No, Whatever the filmmakers wanted to say with this, that there are just a few people's opinions, but we're all gonna have takeaways. Yeah. We're all gonna it's gonna it's gonna do things in the world that they may have never expected. Yeah. It's uh it's gonna be interesting. I really hope nothing negative comes from this film. I don't think anything should. Uh but I also know that people are, are flawed and things could happen, but I, I again stand in the camp of this should not inspire anybody to do anything negative more so than any other movie that 
has murders in it does. Like, I don't think it's fair to assign this a, a inspiration to to bad things, but it's just so ambiguous. It makes it hard to argue one way or the other. I think what it is inspired a lot of people to do is say, "That guy was pretty cool. I'm going to be in for Halloween this year." I can't. I don't want to see anybody for Halloween. <laughs> Better close your eyes for the rest of the month. Oh God, I wish I could. We should probably wrap things up uh, today. Is this our four we're, we're going into? Uh, you listeners can find all the rest of our episodes, which I promise are shorter than this one, on Spotify, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm, or pretty much wherever else you find your podcasts. That is 100% correct. And if you like what you're hearing or want to support the show, feel free to leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Or if you're on Anchor, which is a great way to A, start a podcast, but B, also support a podcast, you can just support this podcast with a lovely monthly donation, which leads to us paying slightly less for all these foods and movies that we see and eat. If you like things in exchange for your money, you can also grab some of your very own Fast Food Film Friends merch at fastfoodfilmfriends.com. We got these... Uh, Kind of new, like black T-shirts with our white logo on them. They look pretty good. Uh, you can also order a uh, life-size Joaquin Phoenix Joker with our logo slapped on his chest. Mm-hmm. If you want to, you're gonna have to email us directly for that at fastfoodfilmfriends at gmail dot com. Also, if you have any more, you know, thoughts about maybe Kevin's theater going experiences, uh, don't maybe fucking our email choice about that. in food. Maybe uh, you want to give us your essay of thoughts on Joker. Fastfoodfilmfriends at gmail.com. I would like to hear other people's thoughts on this movie, in all honesty, because I think that's the only way to build the bridges that need to be built. It's like, see something... Everyone needs to see Joker. I don't think that's the case, but like (laughs) talking about shit that can be interpreted differently is the only way we find connections with people who are different than us. And it's so important that that happens, and I think this is a great piece of art that does that. But I think via sensationalism and everything like that it won't happen so i mean everyone knows that the only way that kevin and i can discuss anything civilly is if it's regarding movies or food Mm. and we're not talking about those things we we can't really get along at all no i would say if you're going to talk about art which is a inherently divisive medium get some food because that's an inherently what's the opposite of divisive combining medium multiplicative no. Uh, something that just just fucking eat some food and be friendly. I was going to say friends, but then I changed to friendly right before the S, and it sounds weird. Be fast food film friendly. Uh, that's right. Just, just fucking be nice to people and be open to other people's thoughts. And if you're still listening, you can find us on Instagram at Fast Food Film Friends, Twitter at FFFF Podcast, Facebook that's at Fast Food Film Friends. Or email us, as we said, at FastFoodFilmFriends at gmail.com. Let us know what you want us to eat or watch next time. We're getting to be getting up on that time of year when there's going to be a lot of things to watch. Kind of hard to decide what we're going to focus on in our episode. So yeah. let us know. Let we're, us know what we're coming up on 40. We, we're old. I've been feeling the crisis brewing. Yeah, that's midlife. We're going to have to buy a couple blue and yellow Corvettes. <sighs> Until then, farewell. farewell.